Well, let's start out in prayer. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for tonight. We thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit, Father. I thank you that the Holy Spirit is our true teacher, our comforter, our guide. It is not my words speaking, Father, but it's you working through me, Father. I thank you that as we uh, dig into your word, Father, I thank you that the eyes of our understanding are enlightened, Father that we may know what is the hope of your glory, Father. And I thank you that our hearts are open to your word. Our ears are open and our eyes are open. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So we started a new theme in altitude. Um, for those of y'all who don't know, I'm the youth pastor here. So I work with the teenagers. I work with the young ones. So if I act a little goofy sometimes, you know why. <laughs> and I would probably still be that way, even if I didn't work with the teenagers, because that's just me. Um, but we started a new theme called Made New. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is our theme scripture in the New Living. Uh, then this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So tonight I want to talk about deception. You're probably thinking, well, what does that have to do with, you know, being made new? And actually, I believe that deception is, is parallel or tied to understanding who you are in Christ. Because if you don't have a revelation or you don't know who you are in Christ, you're really walking in some form of deception. And so um, I think it's important um, to know the enemy. And so I Googled what is you know, what does it know, uh, mean to know your enemy? So this is a quote from a book, and I, didn't, I don't know what the book is. But anyways, it says, If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will suffer defeat. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. Uh, so basically, if you neither understand who you are in Christ nor your enemy, you're going to lose every time. And so it's pretty important to know who you are in Christ, but also... We have an enemy, right? And we have to know his tactics. Amen? And so, um, scripture for tonight is 2 Corinthians 2.11. 2 Corinthians 2.11 in the New King James. Actually, I'll read it in a couple of different translations, but I'll start off with the New King James. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The Amplified says to keep Satan from getting the advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his wiles and intentions. So we need to be aware, um, you know, we do have an enemy, his name, you know, Satan. And so, you know, to take advantage means to gain the superior position. And so, if you know who you are in Christ, if you know what the blood of Jesus did for you, if you know what God did, and he sent his one and only son, there's so much in that. You have provision, you have healing, um, you don't have to be oppressed, depressed, you're, you're whole, you're complete. And so the enemy will combat that. In the message translation, it says, we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. We're not obviously oblivious, I'm sorry, we're not oblivious to his sly ways. The Passion Translation, now mind you, this is Paul writing to the church. This is not Paul writing to unbelievers. This is the church. So, that we, so the Passion Translation says that we would not be exploited by the adversary Satan, for we know his clever schemes. And so do we know his clever schemes? The Webster's definition of ignorance, the state of fact of being ignorant, lack of knowledge, 
education or awareness, right? So just being ignorant, y'all know that. Lack of knowledge, education, or awareness. Now I had this little um, story pop in my head. You know, Jay, Jay's my husband, and um, we both here work at the church. And um, anyways, but he, so he's into, he is so B-O-Y. Like he loves all things, this boy. <laughs> like cars and motorcycles, and he got his pilot license. And for a while there, he was like into RVs. And I thought we were gonna buy one and move into one. I was like, no, you can move into one. <laughs> I'll stay in the house. <laughs> but, um, so, so he'll have these um, shows on sometimes on the TV, the RV show. He'll get me to come in there like, look, look, you know, and I'm like, okay, cool. And, um, and so something could be on the TV, an RV show or a motorcycle show, or, and I could be like in the kitchen doing dishes, and that show can be on. And so um, if you were to ask me like, hey, how do you hook up RV? I don't know. The show was on. So another, another word for, for ignorant is to ignore, you know? And so like, I'm ignore, like, I love you, Jay, but, and I tried to, you know, yeah, okay, that's cool. And I do need to know those things, you know, because if we were in an RV and it broke down and, and Jay had to go make a phone call, like, well, I would need to know. And so it's important, but my silly little illustration is, um, you know, ignorance is also to ignore something. And so, you know, I don't have, Jay has a knowledge about cars and RVs and motorcycles and all the things, mechanical, I do not, right? And so um, the Greek definition of ignorant is to not recognize or know, to err or commit a fault arising from a lack of discernment, knowledge, or insight. And so Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Let me say that again. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So we just learned that ignorance is a lack of knowledge, right? And so it's okay to say, God, help me understand, but it's not okay to ignore something. When you know the word of God, it's not okay to just say, I know that, I'm gonna put that on the shelf for later. No, that's ignoring something. Kids, I now know, I used to do it, ignore your parents, but I know our kids do not ignore their parents. They are obedient kids. And so the Bible's very clear, you know, God wants us to be obedient kids, amen? The Webster's definition of a device is a plan, crafty scheme, or a trick. The Greek definition of a device is a thought, a concept of mind, an inward reasoning. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now God, that's Pastor mentioned that verse this morning. God has good thoughts about us. No matter what you did yesterday, no matter what you'll do tomorrow, he loves you anyway. Whether you crack open the Bible and read it, he loves you anyway. He still has good thoughts about you. Whether you said a curse word, you know what? He loves you anyway. He has good thoughts towards you. The enemy, opposite. He's scheming. He's mischievous. He has bad thoughts towards you. Simple message, but I think sometimes people can get um, confused or just not, 
you know, understand, but God's helping us understand. Amen. Ephesians 4:27 in the Passion Translation says, don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. Amplified says, leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. Let me read that again in the Amplified. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. So the, de- the best defense against Satan is to know his word. Amen? Not only to know his word, but to speak his word. Back to Hosea 4.6 in the New Living Translation. It says, because people don't know me. And so if we don't know God, if we don't take the time to crack open the Bible and spend time with him, we won't know his thoughts. We won't know what he did. What did Jesus say? What did he do? You know, did he heal? Did he not? Did he get upset? What what did he do? And so we, as believers, as the church, should draw closer to God. Amen? Galatians 5.22 in the New Living Translation. And this is the fruit of the Spirit. Um, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Now, when I read, you know, this is a very... Um, popular, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. When you're in children's church, and I remember being in children's church, and they would give you a little coloring sheet, and you know, the grapes, and it's patience, and then the apple, and goodness, and so, but um, this is a powerful, uh, Galatians 5 is very powerful. Um, It's basically, it's the character of God, and so fruit is grown, So, so gifts are given, but fruit is grown. Like, once upon a time, I made Jesus the Lord of my life, but Am I automatically going to be patient with my kids? Maybe not. You know, they're going to try me, right? Am I automatically going to walk in love with the person sitting next to me in church? Maybe not. They might try me. And so fruit is grown. And so this is the character of God. And so if I'm a follower of Jesus, I want to look for this kind of fruit in my life. So the bottom line is if a thought, so the enemy, he throws things at us. And so if a thought comes towards you, can you line it up with the scripture and see where it's coming from? Okay, so I have a thought. Is it a peaceful thought? Does it produce peace in my life? Does it produce joy? Is it kind? Is that thought kind about somebody else? So now you know, so you line it up. When you have thoughts come at you, Line it up with Galatians 5, because that's the character of God. And so we should be more like him. Amen? Amen. And so, um, and I wrote this down. So if you, if you look like this, if you look like Galatians 5, you won't be deceived. If you look for this in other people, you won't be deceived. But so many of the times, we don't. We think the worst. Like, did they say that? Didn't, surely they didn't, but love believes the best in other people. Love puts them first. 
And so, um, so I just want to encourage you, you know, dig into Galatians 6. And um, it just, it, it helps. It helps put your mind at ease whenever the enemy is trying to bombard you uh, with things, whatever it may be, you go to Galatians 6 and you, and you question. You say, is that thought from God or the devil? I wanted to read to you, um, I have this new book, Last Day's Survival Guide. I know I have not finished reading it, but I wanted to read uh, by Rick Renner um, just a couple of chapters. I won't bore you, I promise. Um, it's really good. This chapter, um, The Process Leading to a Reprobate Mind, um, let, me just, let me just start with this. Scripture tells us that wisdom begins with the fear and knowledge of God, Proverbs 1.7. It is an edible cause and effect pattern based on spiritual law. Thus, if society respects, recognizes, and acknowledges God, it, it, its results in enlightenment. But the opposite is also true and carries with it its own inedible cause and effect pattern. When the fear and knowledge of God is diminished and society begins to move away from him, a spiritual chemical mix is produced that will always result in an environment where intellectual nonsense, conclusions that don't make either rational or spiritual sense, become the inevitable consequence. Eventually, error begins to breed and multiply, spilling into every sphere of society, courts, education, families, entertainment, business, government, and religion. The deceptive process continues until man's intellectual reasoning, untethered to God's eternal truth, has tainted all the deliberations, calculations, and thinking processes of this generational, general population. We each need to face this reality of what man is without God. When the knowledge and fear of God is removed, a vacuum is formed, causing intellectual and spiritual darkness to flood in and fill the void. I'm not saying unbelievers are unintelligent. Obviously, the world has a great number of unbelievers who possess great mental capacity. But Paul stated that when intellectually brilliant people drift far from the truth, they eventually cast off restraint and pass into the realm of foolishness and deception. They see themselves as highly intellectual, highly intelligent, progressive thinkers. But because they reject this truth of Scripture and embrace the flawed conclusions of their own making, God says they'll actually become fools, Romans 1, 22. In fact, in verse 21, Paul wrote that their foolish heart was darkened as a result of turning away from God and His standards. This word foolish is translated from a form of the Greek word asunetos, I don't know if that sounds in it, it's properly. Um, in actuality, it is the word sunetos with an A attached to the front of it. The word sunetos describes supreme intelligence or conclusions and understanding supported with correlating evidence or facts. It pictures a person so mature in his thinking that he has the ability to accurately see a full picture. But in Romans 1.20 word, this word sunetos has an A attached to the front of it, which has a reversing effect. Rather than portray intelligence, this word portrays a person who has lost his intelligence, who, ha 
or who has a lack of intelligence. Paul used this word, asunetos, to tell us what happens when people turn away from God. Rather than getting smarter, they regress and become more and more diminished and off base in their reasoning, deliberations, calculations, and thinking processes. According to Paul's cogent argument, inspired by the Holy Spirit, a society that moves away from God always moves towards deceived, defective believing and reasoning processes that are dominated by the manipulative lies of demonic forces at work. Isn't that good? So basically, the further away you get from God, the dumber you are. <laughs> right? Bottom line. And so, you know, in our daily lives, if you didn't read your Bible that day, did you grow a step closer to God? You, you stepped back. Maybe Monday came along and, you know, you had to go to work and you had to get the kids off to school. And so Monday I didn't read my Bible. Here we go Tuesday and same old thing. I got to get the kids off to school. And, you know, I meant to, you know, okay, at night I'm going to read my Bible and skip today. And so, and so here we see it as a society, but really it starts with an individual, right? It starts with just daily decisions, daily habits of, um, you know, that's how the enemy can get, get in. When we stop reading our Bible, when we stop praying in the Holy Ghost, when we stop coming to church. And so we have to make sure we're full of the word. We have to make sure, um, you know, our prayer time is so important. Our closet time is so important of digging into the word. Amen. Amen. So we want to make sure we draw closer to God, not further away, because we don't want to be dumb. Amen? <laughs> I know I don't want to be. Um, Second Peter, and I'll, and I'll wrap up with this. Um, Second Peter 1, and I had posted this earlier, I think on Facebook. You know, you can take certain scriptures in the Word, and you can make them a confession. Like, you can read them, but then you can really, like, ah, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, you can take any scripture. A lot of the scriptures, 2 Peter 1, through, 3 through 4, in the New King James, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so I, um, so like, uh, so we have, so everything you need, I mean, God's already given it to you. And so like a, a confession that you can make out of that says, I have everything I need to live a godly life and reflect the nature of God in everything that I do. You have, if you said yes to Jesus, you have everything that you need to reflect a godly life. Amen. You have it. You have what it takes. Amen. I just want to encourage you with that. Um, let's go back to Galatians real quick. Uh, so the fruit of the Spirit. And then if you go down um, verse, no, chapter 6. Uh, now this is a familiar passage. I mean, because, uh, you know, a lot of times we use it for um, offering time, but it doesn't only relate to offering uh, verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So that's just a spiritual law. 
Um, that's just not for offering time. Whatever you sow, you will reap in life. And so God's, don't be deceived. That means if the Bible says that don't be deceived, you know what that means? You can be deceived, right? That's how I read that. Like, you know what? I can. There's an opportunity for me to be deceived. Just because I work for a church and come here on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And, you know, whatever, like there's an opportunity for me to be deceived. So we have to make sure to self-examine and self-check on the daily um, to, to, to make sure, you know, we're not deceived in a certain, maybe you're strong in a certain area, but you might be weak in another area. And so that's where the enemy can come. And in those weak areas where you, you haven't been maybe reading your word or praying much in the Holy Ghost, or people begin on your nerves, or your, your fuse is short, whatever it may be, you see those areas. And so you have to make sure to strengthen those areas. Amen. So we're not ignorant or do we ignore, right? We're not ignorant because we know you're, everybody's sitting here. Now we know we have the knowledge, right? Um, and so I just want to encourage you with that. So Galatians is just such a good book. Um, if it goes on to say, uh, whatever man sows, he shall also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary. Again, that means you can get tired. You can get weary. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap. If, there's an if, so it's conditional. If we don't lose heart. So we have to make sure to guard our heart. We can't lose heart in this life, right? Therefore, as we all have the opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are household of faith. So, and right here, I put a little note, and I don't remember where I put it. It will affect your desires. So, you know, you have to make sure to keep your heart and um, make sure you have godly desires. The more you read his word, the more godly desires you will have. And then you won't have your own desires. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father, for the revealing your truth tonight, Father. I thank you. Your word is powerful. It is sharp, Father. I thank you, Father, that we take your word in daily, Father. We are not ignorant, Father. Um, we, nor do we ignore your word, Father. We take it in every day, Father, because it is life to those who find it, Father. Your word is a treasure, Father, and we will dig into it, Father. And I just pray over everybody here tonight. I thank you, Father, um, for any situation, Father, that they may be facing, whether it's financial, uh, Father, or family, um, or health, Father. I just thank you, Father, that they take your word in, Father. I just thank you. We just apply the blood of Jesus over everybody here, Father. Your word says to cast our cares on you because you care for us, Father. So I thank you that you have our back and you care for us, Father. I thank you that everybody here feels loved, Father. I thank you, Father, that um, they're the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath, Father. I thank you that um, uh, the mighty one lives on the inside of them, Father. And so when they go out into their workplace, when they go out back into their school, Father, that they are bold for you, Father. They are not going to be deceived, Father. Um, and they're not going to be lied to, Father, because they know who they are and they know whose they are. So we just thank you, Father. We glorify your name. We praise you. Um, we don't take this time lightly, Father. We just thank you that our best and our brightest days are ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.